Welcome back to another episode of East Got Game, an unofficial podcast covering the NBL One East competition for 2023, where we review, preview, and interview our way through the season. Uh, my name's Jacinta. I'm from Central Coast Crusaders, and with me, as always, is Lockie France from I'm just going to say Sutherland Sharks, part time Sydney Comets, ring in yeah, Sydney part- Comets. Yeah, part-time Sydney Comets. Uh, I'll be back there in a few weeks. Fly by Sydney Comets, maybe, you know, to try and tie <laughs> in the, the, fa- the comet flying through the air, you flying there. <laughs> it's very loose, but we'll get there. How are you going, Lockie? I'm great, Squin. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Uh, pretty eventful week again of NBL One East that I think I am looking forward to the long weekend next week to make sure that we can have a bit of a break from basketball, even if the other conferences are going to be carrying on. I think the East deserves a little bit of a break given that we have been going on for a lot longer. Um, how are you feeling about the break coming up? I think the break is coming at a perfect time, actually. It just gives everyone a week to reset, get all of those all those little injuries that you might have been playing through and training through. On top of already a huge season where some teams have seen you know, plenty of double double headers, like probably more double headers than we were used to uh, last year and when we were still Waratah as well. So it's certainly a, a big test coming up for some top, some of those teams, but you can't be at the top without those types of uh, challenges. That's what it takes to be a champion. Um, but uh, while the league is going to take a rest next week, uh, we might have something planned and maybe we can, we can let our listeners know at the end of the episode, hey, Lockie, yeah, I think, yeah, leave, leave people in suspense. Give them yeah. a reason to listen to the end. Exactly. You listen to the end. You listen after the All-Star 5 and then you'll find out what we're doing next week. <laughs> but anyway, let's get stuck into the round 12 results and you were tasked with a men's competition this time, Lockie. Uh, what did it look like in round 12? So I think we had nine games this week, a couple of double headers, and it all kicked off at, Hills, where Norse came back from 15 down at halftime to pick up a 93-88 win. Uh, Comets hosted Inner West, and it was Inner West getting the 104-71 win. Comets welcomed Indiana Faithful into the roster but had no Wani Swakala Bullock. So a big out there for them as uh, their uh, losing streak continues, unfortunately. Uh, Centre of Excellence got a 100-88 win over the Albury Wodonga Bandits on the road. Uh, despite having a shorthanded roster. Canberra edged out a 16-point, 101-85 win over the Penrith Panthers. Uh, the Manly Warringah Seagulls got a 79-72 win over Central Coast, which actually sees them draw level with Central Coast and a couple of other teams on three wins. Illawarra, so they've got Harry Morris back and, of course, Dave O'Hickey returning last week. So they've got... They picked up a 97-68 win over the Newcastle Falcons. Uh, just just uh, Lucas Walker to return for Illawarra now. Uh, Maitland got a 99-82 win. Big performances from a player on either side in that one, winning over Bankstown. We might hear more about them during the All-Star 5. Uh, Sutherland defeated Hornsby 85-73. Sharks again getting it done without Lockie Hutchison as they look to continue to integrate Dengak into the roster alongside their two established big men, Jeff Gerlach and Markwell Beasley. 
And then on the Sunday, it was Kai, savage by name, savage by nature, racking up 28 points as centre of excellence, dominated Newcastle with a 112-83 win. And then, of course, coming up on Thursday, it is the centre of excellence taking on the Canberra Gunners in the local derby. Just one more game to go in what it will technically still be round 12. So is, is Markel Beasley a, a big man in Sutherland or does he just play like a big man because he's got that athleticism? Uh, he's pretty much our, our four man and really athletic. So, yeah, he pretty much sits at the four and sometimes it'll be – sometimes it's Gak and Gerlach both on, you know, he's trying to get them to be the four man, one of them to play the four spot almost. So last week we tried having uh, three of them, all three of them on court at the same time. Uh, I think that's largely been uh, put to rest. <laughs> yeah, there's such thing as going big and then there's such thing as going too big as well. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I do, we, we don't usually see Markwell without either one of them on the court. Uh, yeah. yeah. Come in and, of course, players, you know, leaving. They were shorthanded this week as well, just in general. Uh, so, yeah, having him step up, being really big for the COE in the last couple of weeks. And if we look at the ladder, the Centre of Excellence have officially clinched a top eight spot, sitting at 16-1. and one, And uh, every team outside the finals at the moment can only get to 15 wins. So they're 16-1, and one, uh, four wins clear of Inner West, who are at 12-2, and two, so Inner West still with a few games in hand, as do Norse, who are at 11-3, and three, and then Sutherland, 11-4. and four. So... Nice and tight there for those second, third, and fourth spots. Then Canberra on nine and five in fifth, and then three teams, Maitland, Newcastle, at Hills, uh, all at eight and six, and there is just 0.5 in percentage between Maitland and Newcastle, and then another 3% back to Hills. Hills will be stinging about losing that game because they could have been nine and five and half a game ahead of that uh, fight for the last couple of final spots. Illawarra sitting 7-7. Seven and seven. Aubrey Wodonga 7-8. Comets still slipping down at 6-8. and eight, And they're the teams that will probably round out the uh, fight for finals. Central Coast, Bankstown, Penrith and Manly all with three wins at this stage. And then Hornsby 0-15. But I haven't checked their schedule, but they're certainly... They keep giving teams troubles but can't quite get over the line at the end of the day, which is really unfortunate to see. Yeah, a few men's teams, I think. I know I can speak for the Crusaders too. Certainly going through a rebuild. All right, so I'll take us through the women's results. Um, Also kicking off with the uh, Hills-Norths game. Uh, it was played at the Hornets' Nest. Uh, Hills going down 30 points to 95. Aubrey Wodonga hosted COE in a very, very great and a very good game, uh, very tight. Came down to a three-pointer in the end uh, thanks to Bonnie Dees, who was also a May scholarship holder at the COE who's just come in, and she hit a big three with, in the dying seconds to uh, get the, the win over Aubrey, so the final score was 74-71. to 71. Then Canberra Nationals hosted the Penrith Panthers in Belconnen. They won 93-48. to 48. Uh, Central Coast Crusaders um, hosted the Manly Warringah Seagulls. The top of the table, a classic David and Goliath battle 
with the Central Coast Crusaders, who are currently 10th, I think. Yes, 11th even. Currently 11th, beating the top team 81 to 77. Um, Illawarra Hawks hosted the Newcastle Falcons, so it was a battle of the big birds down at the Snake Pit. And it was Illawarra Hawks 49 and Newcastle Falcons 70. Maitland Mustangs had the Bruins at home and they won 75-61. Sutherland Sharks hosted Hornsby Karingai Spiders, taking that one away 106-61. Comets hosted the Inner West Bulls and um, they won that game 90 points to 66. And Centre of Excellence finished off their tough doubleheader Again, back at home against Newcastle Falcons and losing that one 76 to 82 in what also was a thrilling game. That game going into overtime, thanks to a three point shot, uh, a, a Nicole Munger three point shot, uh, beautiful catch and shoot from the 40 to right hand 45, put the game into overtime. And then uh, Newcastle went to win the extra period, I think it was 13 points to eight. So really excellent win from the Newcastle Falcons women's team, especially since they've also been quite depleted on the bench too uh, in the last, especially in the last, say, three, four rounds. Um, There's been some games where they've only taken seven, eight players or have at least only been able to rotate seven players and they're still managing to get some wins on the road. So, uh, yeah, big ups for Newcastle women's team. And the COE were also missing a few female players too. Uh, they had three of their athletes go to the Basketball Without Borders camp. And as Lockie mentioned earlier, Jess Petrie is off sick, unfortunately. I think she, I think someone told me she may have even gone home to recover for a little bit, but I'm not too sure. But unfortunately, she's unwell, too unwell to play. But uh, in that big game, Munger ended up with 33-9. and nine, And Isla Jufferman's had... Uh, 20 points and 19 rebounds, so almost had a perfect 2020 with five assists too. So uh, she can also dish a dime here and there. So, yeah, that was a really, really good game. I recommend people um, check that out, uh, check out the replay. Uh, now that you have to actually sign up for a program, well, it's not really a program. It's just, I don't know, I'm not too sure the intention behind the new platform that is Bounce Pass. But um, basically, if you want to now watch the games on the MBL one website, you've got to create a login to, uh, I guess, a service called Bounce Pass. But it's literally all you do is create a login and you can still watch the games as you always have been. So um, what I'm not too sure. Maybe it's something that's a work in progress. Yeah, at the moment you get a few deals if you opt in to like part emails from MBL one partners but I'm not sure if there's any other perks if you don't opt into those emails. So I guess if you're sweet with MBL one partners contacting you, you might get some deals. If you're not, then you've just got to pass to watch the game. No, you know, I like a good deal just like the next person, but do I have time to even look into the deal in the first place? <laughs> That's my downfall. That's my downfall. When I get the email, am I going to be bothered to open it? Is it going to be worth my while? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you guys. When you sign up, you see the perks, maybe there will be some perks for you. Uh, maybe there won't be, but time will tell. But, yeah, that's why you, you've got to log in now. And um, you've probably seen some graphics online for a new thing called Bounce Pass, and that's what it is. It's got to be easy because even my mum did it 
and she logs into she logs in to watch the games five minutes before they start. So it must be easy if she can get it done and still watch the game. There you go. There you go. It's so easy that Lockie's mum can do it. So I don't know why they didn't come come to you for a slogan to promote Bounce Pass. I think that could be the new slogan. So easy Lockie's mum can do it. No, I was just going, please don't make that the slogan. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get stuck into the ladder. Let's see. Manly, despite the loss to Crusaders, they're still sitting pretty in first place. Uh, with 13 and 2. Second place, Newcastle Falcons. They're doing it tough, gaining second spot, uh, sitting at uh, 12 and 2. So it's still a game difference. And what's really interesting is that the North Bears have only played 13 games and they're 11 and 2. Similarly, uh, Sydney Comets are also 11 and 2. So North are third, Comets are fourth. And there's a bit of a percentage separating North and Comets at the moment, despite having the same win-loss record. But uh, Norse Bears have a a much smaller number. Well, when I say small, but less points against them than Sydney Comets because, I mean, 715 points isn't small. The difference between is big. Norse, good defensive numbers? I'm shocked. Shocked. (laughs) Not not the most defensive efficient team in the Women's League. Surely not. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, like I said, Norse fourth Comets, uh, sorry, North third, Comets fourth with the same win-loss record, but the percentage is splitting them. Centre of Excellence are now at fifth uh, with 13 and three. Sutherland Sharks are six with 10 and five. Maitland Mustangs are seven with eight and six. Aubrey Wodonga Bandits are seven and seven, but they are sure sprinting to that finals finish line now that they have the addition of uh, Mallory Bates, their brand new import, um, who looks like she can definitely bring something to the inside game. Not that they needed more on their inside game, but she's got a really nice touch under the basket. So Aubrey mm-hmm. looking pretty good in eighth spot with uh, a few tough games to go, but certainly gettable games. Uh, ninth spot is the Canberra Nationals on six and eight. Tenth is Bankstown on six and eight with, again, the percentage uh, separating them. Crusaders at 11th with 5 and 10. Hawks at 12th with 3 and 11. Um, also, Inner West Bulls and Penrith Panthers and Illawarra Hawks, they're all tied at, oh no, they're 12th, 13th and 14th. They're all 3 and 11, all separated by percentages. Then we've got Hills Hornets with 2 and 12 and Hornsby Karinga Spiders at 16th with 1 and 14. So lots of shifting, especially in this top end of the ladder, which we also did see in the men's ladder too. You know, last week I was just pra- singing the praises of the Newcastle Falcons men for uh, gliding all the way up to fifth spot. But I think with their losses on the weekend, they have fallen a couple spots again. So it's very, it, it can change very, very quickly. And while we've only got five rounds to go after the long weekend break, um other than the the men's COE team, I don't think anything's really for certain just yet. Yeah, I know just Speaking about Albury, Wodonga, and you know improving their roster with reportedly more to come, um, you know now we've got Maitland at eight and six, so they're two games clear of Canberra and Bankstown, and Albury seven and seven, but 
you'd have to think that some of those games that might have been iffy for them before, they'd now be, you know, red hot favourites in. So, uh, you know, it might be a bit tougher for Canberra and Bankstown to reel in those other two teams for the last two final spots than it appears on the ladder. Yeah, definitely. And Bankstown may have their work cut out for them because it looks like Cappy Morrow is still out injured, unfortunately. I don't think she played either game on the weekend. Um, so that that's a shame. That makes things difficult for, for Bankstown. I did um, also see that they are added uh, Waratah League legend Jasmine Barlow to their roster. So she might be providing a bit of cover for Cappy. Oh, okay. That would be good. Someone mm-hmm. familiar with the program and the uh, team chemistry. So that could be a big boost for the, uh, the Bruins. And Canberra Nationals, you know, adding Izzy Bourne just in time. They're probably trying to take their... Uh, stake their final claim on a spot in the finals as well. Yes, I think uh, we'll be able to get stuck into it maybe a little bit later as what we are hinting early in the episode, but we'll reveal all at the end. So, yes, that is the round 12 women's results and ladder. Um, let's get stuck into some games, Lockie. What game did you manage to watch this week? I commentated Sutherland Hornsby, of course. Uh, Sutherland got the win there, but... Uh, the game I actually chose to watch, and um, just due to life in general, I did only get to one game. Um, apologies for that. Uh, I actually uh, I chose Centre of Excellence Newcastle, uh, which at the time looked like it was going to be uh, pretty good, uh, but COE only had eight players, and uh, Miles Cherry uh, looks like he got, might have got injured in Newcastle's first game of the weekend. So uh, he wasn't there for Newcastle and that sort of uh, threw a spanner in the works, but we soldiered on and it was eventually it was COE, as I mentioned earlier, getting the uh, 112-83 win. And early in the piece, uh, the absence of Cherry definitely, uh, Newcastle, I feel, definitely felt it. Uh, COE making it very hard early for Newcastle to uh, get that they wanted inside. A few fadeaways that maybe wouldn't have had to be fadeaways if Miles Cherry was the one with holding the ball. Uh, and COE jumped out to an early lead. Uh, they actually put up 62 points in the first half to 44. And I don't know that many teams are going to win games in this league giving up 62 points in the first half. I just want to say Kai Savage, according Savage by name, Savage by nature early, he was just ridiculous. Uh, so he finished with 28 points off the bench in 27 minutes, shot 11 of 17 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. Uh, he did finish with four fouls, but uh, that's probably the only real blight. Three turnovers, I mean, uh, so be it. Uh, knocking down threes, but there was one play. I can't quite remember how the commentators described it. Uh, was it step back, fade away, Euro step, jump shot? And it, and it fell? I'm not sure if I got that exactly right, but it was definitely a Euro. There was definitely kind of like coming in sideways, Euro step, turn to face the basket shot the jumper, knocked it down. And I was watching, I was like, there wasn't a travel in that? And, I mean, that that was just the highlight. But, I mean, he scores in all three, at all three levels, knocking down threes, getting to the cup, shooting uh, from the mid-range. And just, you know, for a player who's been in the program for, what, three and a half weeks, uh, he's certainly taken to it like a duck to water. Uh, for Newcastle, Reed Nottage, 
Uh, definitely a good signing for them so far. Had 18 points, six rebounds, and five assists in just 19 minutes off the bench. Uh, but the reason he only played 19 minutes is because he had foul trouble. So uh, that was a bit of a problem. Uh, I think his fifth was actually a technical foul with only about three and a half minutes to go. Um, for COE, the, I think the 83 will make Robbie McKinlay happier than the 112. Because uh, I think the last two times I've talked about COE, they conceded 99 to Sutherland and they conceded 100 to Illawarra. Uh, they got wins on both occasions, but they had to really um, lay the smack down on offense just to get over the line. So only conceding 83, a um, bit shorthanded. And uh, I think, yeah, Robbie McKinlay would certainly be a lot happier with that uh, defensive performance. But I have to say, it did. the commentators made mention of it as well, but it did start to uh, drag on a bit. It has certainly had that uh, Seager-Barber second game of a back-to-back feel. So CO actually played away the previous night in Albury. And Newcastle, they didn't play Canberra the night before. They played Illawarra the night before, which is still a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive into Canberra uh, to get there. So both teams had a... Had to pack up on Saturday night after their game, probably get in there after midnight and then turn around and play the afternoon game. It did, yeah, it, it dragged on a bit, but I'm um, not sure really how to put it. But I mean, COE, once they had that 62-44 lead at halftime, it, it almost looked, not that they were putting the cue in the rack, but they were sort of, you know, fine maintaining their advantage. They built it out a bit more and then... 27-25 in the final quarter. I also really, I really liked uh, John Furphy for COE. I think uh, he was really impressive. Uh, knocked down four of six from three-point range, um, seven to 12 overall from the field. COE actually shot 13 of 25 from three-point range. So 52% and and that, that'll win you plenty of games, particularly in a league where teams don't usually shoot that far over 30%. Um, but I mean, credit to Newcastle, they shot almost 40% from three-point range as well. But um, it really was a horror week for Newcastle. Uh, they were 8-4, and four, as you mentioned, Squin, and now they're 8-6, and six, and they have slipped from potential top four team to in that mix for are you going to finish sixth, are you going to finish seventh, are you going to finish eighth, are you going to finish out of the finals? And I think, like, obviously, COE is streaking so far ahead that finishing, you know, if you have to play them in the first or second week of the finals, you're going to find it really tough. But just getting a better final spot is, you know, always a good thing. And, you know, Newcastle have really hampered their chances. Of course, Miles Cherry being, did he play four, was it four minutes, you said? Yeah, I think he only played, like, four, 20, four, 30 minutes, like, yeah. Under yeah. five minutes in that game yeah. against Illawarra, which indicated so course, oh, he, he must have been injured. Yeah, so five minutes in the first game, didn't play in the second game. You know, when you look at the win-loss column, it doesn't say loss, but because they didn't have Miles Cherry, it just says loss. <laughs> um, also need to make mention Harry Beecham uh, arrived at COE. I think it was this week. I think this might have been his first game. Had 10 points off the bench. And indeed, apart from Kai Savage, uh, they had five other players in uh, double figures and then James O'Donnell with nine points and 14 rebounds. So uh, Ben Henshaw still getting it done with 19 points, three rebounds and six assists, but they really spread spread it out. 
um, even with only eight players, no one played more than 28 minutes. So uh, really good to see COE still managing to spread the love. And if, as I mentioned, they're now in finals, 16-1. and one. Absolutely flying are the young kids. And great to see the new additions uh, make an impact because that is going to be massive for them down the stretch as there's still, you know, I'll say a cloud, but some question marks over, you know, who's going to be there come late July when finals arrive. Uh, we have been talking about since the start of the podcast how, um, you know, just being very conscious of who's performing well for the men's COE team at the start of the season. Uh, but are they going to be sticking around for finals? Uh, when do they get the call up for college? When do they have to leave? Who's going to be replacing them? Are they going to be able to stay consistently good? And obviously on paper you would expect, yes, the best, the most talented young athletes in Australia are going to be consistently good. But you've got to remember this is a bunch of kids from all over the country who may have, some may have played together before, some may have played only against each other at a nationals. Um, and given that a lot of these kids went through COVID and some of their nationals perhaps would have been cancelled, maybe they've only had one nationals. Um, so, yeah, lots of different variables, but uh, it definitely seems promising with these new athletes coming at the right time. And like you said, Lockie, they're already uh, making their mark. Um, so it's really excited to see how far they'll go. Certainly. And it's not just, you know, yes, they're the most talented youngsters in Australia, but you would expect that these kids could be that are coming in could some of them could be 12 18 months younger than mm. the players they're replacing which when you're coming up against you know you come up against you know a glenn morrison a chris bryan a miles cherry someone like that you're a 17 year old kid or you're you know 18 maybe getting close to 19 and you've had two years at the ais you know getting in the weight room building yourself up you know, time, time and age is a really big thing for these young kids and the ability to build yourself up physically and with your skills can be so massive. Yeah, time and age is right, especially with age because, you know, the uh, longer you play basketball and the higher levels you get, it's certainly about experience and maturity and um, the psychological side of the game, which only can really sometimes come with time and age. So, um yeah, so I mean, it's not all or not always one and done with uh, the COE. Definitely a beatable team, as uh, North did earlier in the season. Um, interesting, Rocco Zakarski hasn't really made much of an appearance in the last few rounds, so I'm not sure if he's injured or if he's just being sat out or what's happening. Yeah, not uh, entirely sure. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a shorthanded, shorthanded roster. Hopefully, we see them all come back soon enough. But uh, if anyone has any intel. Always hit us up on the Escott Game Instagram. We love to fill the gaps of our knowledge with yours uh, and our DMs are open only for nice things. If you say any mean things, I'm just going to delete it. So don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nicest way I can say that. Um, so, I, and uh, Lucky, you apologise for only seeing one game, but truth be told, mate, the last like six episodes you've been doing the heavy lifting of the game reviews. <laughs> So I needed to I needed to show up today and um, you know hold up my end of the bargain. So I did two women's games, and this one was hard to go past, and it did come as a recommendation from one of the coaching staff too. It was the Aubrey Wodonga Bandits versus COE in 
Aubrey Wodonga, the one where Bonnie Dees, one of the May scholarship holders, hit that big three in the end to get the COE the win. Um, but, yeah, this was a really, really good game. Interestingly, um, they switched commentators at halftime, so I don't know what happened there. But uh, they only started the game with one commentator and then at halftime it was definitely a different commentator but still only had one. So maybe they were just a bit short staff that night down um, at Lauren Jackson Sports Centre in the commentary box. Um, but what I really liked, Aubrey, like we mentioned earlier, um, Mallory Bates has joined as the second import for the team. She looks like uh, she has a really nice touch. She could hit it from the high post under the basket, under pressure. The only criticism I had is that she needed more touches. She needed the ball more. Um, but I guess the Aubrey find themselves in that kind of unique situation where they have lots more talent on the roster between Hannan, Mahadi, uh, Pivic, uh, and now Bates. Um, they're going to have to find a way to share the, the, the shots a little bit better. There were certainly times where Aubrey, I feel like, one of those four players, maybe two of those players more than the four, mm-hmm. were probably uh, taking the game on their shoulders a little bit too much rather than trusting the process and their teammates to get a better score. And I think sometimes those situations were a bit of a downfall for Aubrey. There was probably better options um, that could have been taken. But, look, I'm not their coach. Maybe that's what their coach has instructed them. That's just an observation. But uh, what I really liked was their defense that they came out. Um, there was a lot of switching going on quite early between the guards, and I noticed that the center for Aubrey Wodonga was normally dropping back under the basket. So it read to me like a little bit of a, a matchup zone that kind of looks like a man but is actually acting a little bit like a zone. But um, I can't be too sure. But that's what it looked like. But regardless of what it was, it was very effective because it made the COE – um, have to play their half-court offense a good couple of metres outside the three-point line and became quite disruptive. But um, the COE, to their credit, still ran a lot of four-high sets, still ran a lot of horn sets. Aubrey also ran a lot of horn sets as well. But the COE um, with Isla Jufferman's in that high post, she played a lot more high post and low post than you would expect. But she, yeah, she's great up there. She's able to set those reverse steals off a hand, uh, seals off a handoff. Um, I would hope that uh, maybe she was just having a bit of an off day shooting those open jump shots from the elbow, but that's something that I hope uh, improves over time too. Um, but, the, you know, the likes of uh, Saffron Shields, great court vision. Lara Somfai has also a new scholarship holder that's come in and she's made an impact already. I think she had like 12 quick points in a short period of time. Um, and first time I got to see Ruby Gray play some decent minutes or at least play properly and she she can be quite nifty as well herself. So um, a lot of these players also getting ready to go to the Under-19 World Cup in July and I think that the, the games like this, especially against Aubrey and then when they played Newcastle, are great preparation for that, just for that level of toughness and physicality that FIBA love at their tournaments. Um, <laughs> but which I love. I mean, don't be, don't be soft, but there is a line. There is a line uh, of how physical it can get. Um, but, yeah, really impressive from COE. Uh, Aubrey as well, like I said, possibly a matchup zone that defense worked really well and they made the really smart decisions throughout the game that when 
Isla Jaffermans had to go off, whether it was for Saab or for, you know, for Saab or for foul trouble. Um, then Aubrey did a good job of trying to get the ball inside and exploit her not being on the court. So Ash Hannon, who was our guest on Escott game last week, made some very nice moves and seals under the basket. Um, and I feel like the guards did a really good job of taking their time to get her the ball in the right spot as well. Um, but, yeah, lots of horn sets again, like I said, some really good minutes from the bench players for Aubrey, such as Sarah Mellison. She came on and, and shot a really nice corner three to get it going in the first quarter. Um, but, yeah, the real it was really tight. It was just in that fourth quarter where COE really took it away, uh, winning the fourth quarter 21-12. to 12. Um, If we look at some of the deeper analysis, the only things that really stand out is that Aubrey went and had more points in the paint in the fourth, which was quite interesting, with 10, and uh, whereas COE had more in the first quarter with 12. But otherwise, nothing really outstanding. Um, shooting percentage was, like, pretty close. Well, not pretty close, but uh, COE's was much better at 35 from the three-point line and 47 um, from the two-point line overall. Um, but otherwise not a, a lot separating them when you come to the analysis tab. But some of the outstanding performances, Isla Juffman's had 14 and 13 for COE. And let me just double check. She, yeah, she was in foul trouble with four um, as well as Jada Clark. So they were kind of skating on thin ice there. Jada Clark had 16 points, eight rebounds, two assists. And Saffron Shields ended up with a nice five assists. Ruby Gray had 13 points. Bonnie Dees had 10 and that big dagger. And Lara Somfai in just under 15 minutes had 12 points and three rebounds. So she was very efficient. For Aubrey, it was uh, Michaela Pivich who had 17 points, 11 rebounds and six assists. So really doing a little bit of everything, which we love to see. Uh, Mallory Bates ended up with 17 and 7 and in just under 25 minutes. Uh, Ash Hannon had 11 points and 5 rebounds in just under 18 minutes, um, which is probably not as much as we like to see Ash, so I'm not too sure what happened. She wasn't in foul trouble, but maybe it was just going with the flow. Uh, Mahardi had 10 points, 5 rebounds and 5 assists. Um, so pretty well even spread of scorers amongst both teams as well. But also a very entertaining game, so I recommend people jumping on and watching that one. And then the second game I covered was one that I happened to commentate, which was Central Coast Crusaders and Manly. So did you catch any highlights of this at all, Lockie? I haven't yet, but I am very interested because, well, yeah, it's one of the biggest um, upsets of the season so far. Yes, and I'm very glad that it's the Crusaders, one of the Crusaders team who can claim that for a change. Um, yeah, it was outstanding. Uh, the Crusaders came out very strong, really high-scoring quarter from both teams, 28-25. Um, and to full, I have to give full credit to uh, Coach Lossolini Katia, who is the assistant coach of the NBL1 team and also the head coach of the youth league team with Nicole Hutchins who plays for Crusaders um so she was thrown not in the deep end but she had a tall order of you know making her head coach debut in NBL1 East 
and against the top team and to come away with a win. I mean, <laughs> do you retire after that performance? Like you got you got to the top in one game. Uh, how retire undefeated. Yeah. Retire <laughs> undefeated, exactly. <laughs> um, and the day before this win, she celebrated her 25th birthday. So what a great week way to celebrate the birthday weekend with um, getting that win. Uh, but yeah, this was really highly competitive game. Quite, it was really interesting because I still both teams still pl- played with pace, but there wasn't a lot of defensive. Sorry, there wasn't a lot of transition opportunities for both teams. Both teams really like to run, uh, but both teams perhaps recognised that in each other very early and were able to implement very good defensive transition for most of the game. So, But uh, once we were in the half court, both teams still played with relatively good pace, lots of composure. Um, I think that Manly were probably, I'm not too sure if they were complacent, but Coach Kerwin had to call a timeout literally in the first 54 seconds of the game because the Crusaders came out and were just like on an 8-0 run and Coach Kerwin had to blow had to blow a timeout in 54 seconds I don't know if I've seen a timeout that quick in my life uh but yeah I I don't think I think he had to kind of pull his players into line and um but then you know they were certainly tested the Crusaders half court defense was definitely a lot better a lot better pressuring in the lanes and uh maintaining their player on the dribble especially, which is sometimes waxes and wanes. But I think the desperation in the second line of defence was a lot better as well from the Crusades, which is sometimes where things can fall apart a little bit. Um, But obviously being a Crusaders fan and, uh, well, former player, I guess, I know historically that when Crusaders, either men or women's team, have a really great start against a really competitive team, the biggest challenge then is being able to maintain it. So... Third quarter came around. There were lots of uh, third quarter wobbles from the Crusaders. They had three very quick team fouls that were called. Um, nothing was really going their way in that third quarter, and I think they ended up losing it 24 to 12. So uh, giving losing a quarter by 12 points and being in foul trouble pretty early, we were kind of like, oh, this is it. We knew that they could come back and certainly still have a good crack at winning, but you know, as history serves, that's generally when we tend to crumble a little bit. However, we, we, we hung in there. We won the fourth quarter 21 to 10. Um, yeah, like I said, Manly just seemed a little bit rattled and a little bit um, uncomfortable in their half-court offense. Um, but to be fair, they still came out in the fourth quarter um, doing their absolute best. Like sometimes when a team hasn't been has been so successful in a season – and they haven't been truly tested. They haven't had an opportunity to do any character building, but this Manly team weren't going away at all. Like they were still really wanted to win. So they were still taking their open shots quite confidently. Um, what I really liked is that, you know, Kim Hodge was having a great game. She ended up with 27 points, six rebounds, two assists. But they kept going to her in the high post and sometimes in the short corner where she can, you know, she's got a pretty high shooting percentage from there. So sometimes between Zoe Miller and Kim Hodge, there were really nice pick and pops to get Hodge open on that extended elbow. So that was uh, some easy buckets for for Manly when they really needed it. Um, but uh, yeah, who and we'll go through. I'll go through some more stats. So Alex Delaney had 15 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. 
Bree Delaney had 13 points, six rebounds, three assists, each of them taking 14 and 13 shots respectively. So their shot numbers like were pretty good. But uh, considering this was a one versus 11th place, uh, their shots were, were pretty limited. Kim Hodge uh, had 17 shots, which I think was pretty good. Um, they, they was, she was certainly be, became their focal point as the game went on. Um, and Zoe Miller in just under 22 mil- minutes had 12 points, three rebounds, two assists and two steals. Uh, it was a shame that the youngsters like Sari Mowbray and Gracie Lee couldn't get on, but I think it was just too tight of a game for them to get any court time, understandably. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Crusaders, Dani Corot, the absolute hero who hit a very crucial three-point play off a drive in like the dying seconds of the game. Oh, my gosh, that was so good. If you haven't seen it, the Central Coast Crusaders uh, Instagram did put it on their story and I have copied it so I might just pop it up on my story or the <laughs> eSports game um, profile as well because it was it was awesome. Uh, she Yeah, 22, 3 and 5 she ended up with. Nicole Hutchins, though, for me, she was the real turning point in this game. Uh, she played 23 minutes. And she had 18 points and 15 rebounds, and she shot eight from 12. So I think where Manly's part of Manly's, um, I won't say downfall, but I, I would say that the Crusaders did a really good point of exploiting the fact that Manly don't have a true center that would be strong enough to come up against Hutch. So Hutch is tall, yes, but she is really strong. Like she's got to be one of the strongest centers next to Juffman's in the league, I think. Um, what uh, sometimes though Hutch can be a little bit too strong, you know, getting a little bit cheeky with dropping the elbow, uh, the old illegal screen, just just trying to get in a little bit of a nudge and a bash here and there. And the referees are very wise to it, so she gets called up and gets in foul trouble. So she only gave away one of them this game, Lockie, which you'll be happy to hear. Uh, did do it in front of the ref though, so obviously got pulled up for it. But she managed to stay in the game, which is good. And um, what I really liked from Hutch this game was her composure and her footwork under the basket. So her footwork has been getting better um, with every game and especially better from last season and her finishing. But this time, but now it's her composure when she's under the basket and she's under pressure. She was taking on two people. Like she was getting double teamed. Um, You know, Coach Cohen, the great coach that he is, was like double teaming down Hutch in the post. But she was still taking them on and, making some shots because she was so composed. So I think uh, that was a win in itself. Um, But otherwise, really, really good game. Very exciting. Um, I hope that the Crusaders will take this and uh, be able to back it up. But I really think, though, at this point of the season for Manly, given they came into this game on a 12-game winning streak, um, we've still got, you know, after we've got a break next weekend, then we're going to have... Round 13 of 18 the weekend after where they play COE. So I think this loss has actually come at a really good time for Manly where they can have enough time to figure out what they need to improve on based on their loss in that game, still have enough time to implement it. Um, they still got to play COE, so that would be a good test. And because the thing is, like, it's great to have a winning streak, but unless you're really tested in terms of your team's character and culture, and some of those weaknesses exposed like not having a true centre that can guard someone like Hutch. You've got time now to problem solve that. Um, and I think you need that character building going into finals because if this is a team that's going to go all the way, 
like we said at the start of the episode, that means that they're going to have to keep building on this and maintain this possibly all the way to NBL1 Nationals in August. So I think the loss actually comes at a good time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I subscribe to the loss they had to have, Credence, but certainly mm-hmm. um, having a down performance and learning from it regardless of the result. And sometimes you see it more and feel it more when you lose. So I think if, you know, if, if that game had been 81-77 Manly, maybe they just breathe a sigh of relief and go, okay, it was just a bad game. We got through it. But you lose and then you're like, oh, okay, we just lost to a team that is no chance of making finals. We, yeah. we got to do something about this. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a, probably a better way to frame it. Yeah, um, try, the the way of trying to make uh, lemonade out of lemons with the we're on a gr- winning streak and we just lost to the eleventh place team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's still lots of basketball to play. I'd be really interested to see how they go against COE because you know Isla will be there doing a thing. Um, but yeah, watch this space. I I, I want I, I would pick. Next round, round 13, I would pick Manly COE as probably one of the game of the week. You're just doing my job for me straight up. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any, like, what game, did you pick any games of the week for round 13 for the men at all? Uh, I haven't, but it will not take me long to have a look. Let's have a look yeah. at round 13 in the men and see if there's anything. I mean, I'm pretty sure because, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Sutherland North. Oh, yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, so Sutherland North, which is our third versus fourth at the moment. So really big in terms of our finals placings. You know, you don't want to slip down into that back half of the top four. And, um, have they played each other yet? Because, I mean, Manly and COE haven't played each other yet and it will be round 13. It will be their first and probably only time. But have men have North and Sutherland played each other? Oh, you're testing me. I am. I'm throwing under the bus. Well, the problem is uh, it wasn't at Sutherland, so I don't remember commentating it if it was. Fair. That's fair. Um, Did we play him really early in the season? Crew. While you look. No, I don't think... I don't think we have quite yet. No, it doesn't yeah. look like it. Um, no, but yes, I also like um, Canberra Illawarra. You know, Canberra looking to uh, claw their way into the top four if they can, whilst Illawarra looking to hang on to a top eight spot. And Comets Maitland. Mm. Can Comets arrest this losing streak? Yeah, I think I I reckon they're the best three, uh, particular for the sake of entertainment, particularly um, North Sutherland. But the other two will be just as entertaining, but more so. I think there's more on the line in terms of final position, finals, and uh, positionings on the ladder with those other two games. Certainly, it's uh, only going to get more important each game from here on out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, for me, uh, for the women's, uh, yeah, Manly COE definitely uh, would be my game of the week. Um, apparently, we're hosting COE again on Sunday, the June of eighteenth of June. That would be nice. 
because I missed the last one because I had COVID. Oh, what bad timing that was. Hosting um, COE. Ah, okay. Yeah. It says on Sunday the 18th, uh, COE are coming to play us. Is that in, sure. in women's? Um, oh, no, hold on. I'm looking at men's. Ah, uh, so that might be the... That's a makeup game. Uh, yeah, that's the makeup game from... Yes. So it's like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, so no, I would say game of the week for me, Manly, Centre of Excellence. And they're playing at Manly, and I think that's going to have an influence, to be honest. Um. Oh, yeah, Sharks North, of course, again. That's going to be yes. pretty tough. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those two, those two would probably stand out. And then Norse play center of excellence again on the Sunday. So Norse women actually have quite a tough, uh, weekend with Sutherland on the Saturday, COE on the Sunday at home. Um, mm, but Norse, nice. Norse being the one team that have beaten, well, yeah, not the one team now that Falcons have, but Norse being the team that have beaten, uh, COE, uh, it would be great if they can go two and oh. Get yeah, the- I mean, it's one of those weekends where they could go 2-0 and or if they slip up a couple of times, go 0-2. I mean, if you look at it, it's almost one of those weeks like I was talking about with Sutherland when we played um, Comets and Hills a couple of weeks ago. It's one of those weeks where you kind of expect to go 1-1, one and one, but you don't know which one will be the win and which one will be the loss. But if I'm Norse, I'm uh, probably saying, no, we're going 2-0. and o. Two, bi- yeah. two big wins, two big wins, you know, almost clinch top four, you know, if they can knock off Sutherland and COE. Yeah, they don't muck around those Norse women. Not in the slightest. <laughs> All right, let's get into some news and gossips. What have you got for for me, Lockie? Uh, short week this week, but seeing as we're talking about Norse people, uh, Emma Donnelly, uh, formerly of Comets, now at Norse, New South Wales under-20s player, uh, committed to Iona University, which is in uh, New Rochelle, New York, so about a half-hour drive north of New York City. It's a D1 school, so that will put paid to Emma's uh, NBL1 East career until she completes her time at college. Uh, so, yes, very good luck for your next four years, Emma. Awesome. And uh, you made mention already during this episode, you know, Wani Swaka didn't play this week, but Indiana Faithful has now joined the Sydney Comets men, um, which is a nice little sneaky addition as well. Um, I see that you also saw an even bigger name on a women's roster pop up. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw a player. I'm not sh- Look, I think, it's a, I think it's a good sign. Not someone I've really heard of. It's a player called Lauren Jackson is uh, now listed on the Albury-Wodonga Bandits. Can you give me an insight on her? Uh, look, it's not a name I'm really familiar with other than the stadium that the Bandits play in, so I don't oh, know. that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's where we named the name from. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Now, yeah, it just has a stadium really, named after. She's she's probably pretty good then. Yeah, she's probably pretty good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, LJ making a return. Uh, that would be great. All eyes on LJ because, I mean, there has been a lot of talk. She has been recovering from two different injuries on uh, both of her, fe- like, two different legs, uh, one being stress fractures or some kind of fracture in her foot and the other being, unfortunately, the Achilles injury she did at the historic 
John Kane Arena game during the WNBL season. So she's still recovering. I've definitely seen on her social media profiles that she's uh, shooting around with, of course, Sammy Mack, assistant coach of the Lady Bandits. Um, she's also doing a little bit of shuffling and agility and some gym work back on her feet too. Um, so be re- I, I wasn't too sure if she was ready to return to, to court, but we'll see how we go. I mean, yeah, well, put a name down. Done. Get it in early. See if she qualifies for finals. Well, that's um, right because it's it's getting very. I think Aubrey, their next game will be two thirds of the season. So that would be, I think, at a third of the season remaining, you're locked in, aren't you? Yeah, I, I think that's, so. That's the news I heard. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Uh, then you know, if you if you pop your name on the roster, do you get an injury pr- uh, pr- exemption? Um, uh, yeah, who knows? Like, why, didn't, why didn't she get an in, like? Does she not qualify for an injury exemption the rest of the time? I don't know how that stuff really works. I just leave that up to uh, the administrators. Yeah, that's yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, we'll look at the playoff rosters and who's there is there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, uh, just a reminder that COE and Gunners play. Uh, COE and Gunners and COE and Nationals play on Thursday to round to finish off round twelve. And we're recording on a Monday, so uh, we can't see into the future to give you a review of that game. We're still working on it. <laughs> still working on it. And um, it's a it's a Canberra local derby. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I would love to do that on a Thursday night, but I just know from living there for four years how cold it can get uh, <laughs> in Belconnen Stadium. So be prepared. Um, uh, I'm sure, you know, preaching to the converted being Canberra locals, I'm sure they don't need to be told to be prepared. Um, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, anything anything else of worth that you've heard, Lockie? No, not not too much. Nothing really happening around the traps at the moment. What about you, Squin? No, 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 nothing from me either. All I will say, though, is that... Uh, there was some sad news coming out of the Sydney Flames camp today about uh, Tiana Mangakahia, who unfortunately has to has called early retirement on her basketball career after being diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. So for those who don't know, Tiana lived with breast cancer while she was in college at Syracuse. Um, she overcame all of her treatment. She was in remission. She made her way back to the basketball court and was having an absolute standout season for the Sydney Flames last year and was due to due to play again. Um, she was playing for the Northside Wizards in NBL 1 North very recently until she got a contract to play in Toulouse in France. Um, and uh, as far as I knew, know that she was there and unfortunately, yeah, the, the news came out today that her cancer has come back, um, her breast cancer has come back and also is present in other parts of the bodies according to the press release um, that was administered by the Flames today. So lots of uh, thoughts and good vibes um, for Tiana Mangaka here. Uh, I'm sure that if you don't know her, you probably know someone that knows her. So just keep her and her family in your thoughts for this week, um, which is some pretty horrible, devastating news for such a talented athlete. So... Um, yeah, it's not the news that we like to bring on the podcast, but we thought certainly worthwhile mentioning given um, how how everyone knows her and it's it's really, really, really sad news. So, um, yeah, please keep her in your thoughts. Um, also, 
Johnny uh, Mapiau from uh, Canberra Gunners, unfortunately, uh, about a week ago, had a very devastating car accident as well. He's still in hospital and recovering. Um, there has been a couple of posts on uh, Basketball ACT social media page. Well, I should say Facebook because I only really use Facebook. Um, about uh, Johnny's condition and ways that you can help uh, perhaps donate um, to trying to get his life back on track. Our friend Josie, who runs the Instagram page Promote the Goat, is also doing an auction online to help raise money for John as well and his treatment. She's auctioning off three different types of sneakers so if you head to Promote the Goat, she's made a post on there. There's a link in the caption about how you can go about bidding on those sneakers or making a donation uh, to go towards John's treatment. Um, but otherwise, go to Basketball ACT's Facebook page and there's usually some updates in there. But also keeping him in our thoughts and obviously the rest of his team and his family because, um, yeah, th- those things are so tragic and unexpected um, and you never really know how to how to deal with it but uh yeah thinking about everyone and really wishing both tiana and johnny a very safe recovery too 100%. Um, otherwise, otherwise yeah not news that we like to share but news worth sharing um but how about we top it off with our all-star five for the week lucky take all it right. away with your men's all right so uh a few big performances this week as always nine games plenty to go around uh, we'll get straight into it. Uh, going to start with uh, Matthew Eldridge from Manly Warringah, who had a big, big game in the win over Central Coast. He had a big 22 points, 19 rebounds, three assists and a steal as Manly got the win, 79-72. Uh, Dave O'Hickey from Illawarra, also a big, big outing, 22 points, 16 rebounds, five assists, three steals, and a block just for good measure in that big 29-point win over Newcastle. And now the next two actually came from the same game. So it was the Bankstown-Maitland game, and Hayden Blankley from Bankstown finished with 29 points, 17 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and a block, but it was Maitland getting the win 99-82, because Will Cranston-Lown dropped a 30-piece, 30 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals in the win. And then it was the man off the bench. It was tough to find the stat line. He was so far down on the box score. But Tony Colovey from Inner West, 35 points, six rebounds, an assist, a steal, and three blocks in the 105-73 win over Comets. So there we are, an all-star five for the men. Yeah, so I, I almost I almost missed Tony because he is literally the second last name on the box score. And there's all these players with nothing, and I'm scrolling down, and I almost missed him. But it was only the fact that I um I was like, these, these points don't add up. There's got to be someone around here doing something big, and there he is. Big Tony, the former former Sydney King. Yeah, I uh, had a similar experience when I was getting prepared for the NBL One show today. Uh, I was also almost, also, almost missed Tony at the very, very end, and I was like, "Oh, well, he had a big game. That's probably worth mentioning." Uh, himself and Hayden, 
getting mm. a bit of a shout out on MBL One Show today. Yeah. Um, it's funny. So I mentioned like Tony. He's just prone to those big games, you know. He he did it against Sutherland really early in the season. He'll just come out and it's like tonight he's going to be the one that's going to go absolutely off. It doesn't happen all that often, but when he goes off, boy, does he go big. Yeah, it's probably good timing considering Blake Morrow did sustain a back injury last round when they played Mm -hmm. away at Hawks. So I think he's still slowly recovering from that. I know he did play, but... Um, while he's recovering, I think he's probably got to be careful because he's got to think about longevity and finals time because, you know, mm. Inner West Bulls men are in, in contention of definitely making finals weekend. So probably a good time for Tolovey to step up and fill the gap of Morrow in the time being. Um, so I'll so what, take you what was the women's like? Yes. Yeah, so the women's are pretty much <laughs> if you didn't score 30 points, you weren't in it. <laughs> But the four four of the five had at least thirty points this round, starting with Vanessa Panusis. She had thirty five points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and five steals against the Inner West Bulls. So she was also just shy of a of a triple double. Um, so that was very very good from Ness. Uh, Nicole Munger had 30, 33 points and five rebounds versus Coe. In that was the same game where she hit the three-point shot to send them into overtime. So extra points for you, Miss Nicole Munger. Um, Number three, we had Emily Simons uh, from North Bears. She had 32 points, 10 rebounds in 31 minutes uh, against Hills Hornets this weekend. And uh, she that included five from nine three-pointers. So, uh, So yeah, she, she was just making the most of her time, I think. 32 points, is that outscoring the opposition? Yes, it is. It is outscoring the opposition by two points. The Stop that. Yeah. In that 30 to 95 win for the North, uh, yes, Emily Simons alone scored more than the opposition. Um, and Izzy Bourne, Canberra, new, newfound Canberra National, uh, had 30 points, eight rebounds and four steals against Penrith Panthers at home in Belconnen. And our fifth spot, there were lots of people who could have had the fifth spot, but it went to Michaela Dompkins from Inner West Bulls who had 27 points and 12 rebounds against Comets. And I'm pretty confident that Michaela is still uh, leading the league in average rebounds per game. Uh, She is averaging 14.45 rebounds per game with Nicole Munger averaging 13. Um, But, uh, yes. Uh, she's maintained. Michaela and Nicole have maintained those high level of rebound stats all season. So that's been super impressive. Um, I have learnt though that the average, like the stats, and for the av- to get into the top five average, it's a minimum of five games played. And Talia Tupaya is still sitting at fifth with average points with twenty four point eight, and she hasn't played for quite a few rounds now. So no, um, so. She, she, she should be back. I did read uh, Penrith Panthers very nicely always post a um, their newspaper clip from I think it's might be the Western Weekender newspaper or whichever newspaper it is out there. And it did make mention that uh, Talia might be back playing for Penrith to get some minutes in her legs prior to Asia Cup where she could play for New Zealand. So that would be great oh, to see. Oh, interesting. I didn't realise she was a part of the New Zealand squad. Yes, she is. So, yeah, 
Because the rest of the New Zealand's got a over in Europe playing against uh, some friendlies against Serbia and a like. Yes, yes. But uh, yeah, I don't, Talia's not quite at the playing stage yet, I don't think. Interesting. Well, hopefully she'll be back on court soon and that she's okay. But uh, um, yeah, she's still holding fifth spot in points per game average. So <laughs> certainly leaving a mark on the leaf. But uh, <laughs> I think that's all from me, Lockie. Have you got anything before we wrap up? Or would you like to give our listeners some insight into what we will have next episode despite there being no basketball played? I think we're going to do, I think what we'll do is we're going to do a deep dive into the run home and all the permutations and all that good stuff that everyone loves. If if North beats Sutherland, if Manly beats COE, if Illawarra beat Bankstown, what's going to happen? That kind of stuff that we all love digging into. Yeah, and full disclosure, I don't know nothing about that stuff. Uh, my Look, I was decent in maths at school. It certainly hasn't translated into any way, uh, in any kind of basketball sense. I have no idea how to do the calculations and predictions and final placings based on ladders and and what happens when. So I'm going to leave that all to Lockie and probably ask you a lot of questions. I'm just a man with a spreadsheet, Squid. That's all it takes. I mean, (laughs) I I can open a spreadsheet, but I don't know what is the correct data to fill it to make such a... great calculations like you can so um yes the it will the spotlight will be on you all right cool thanks again Lockie, and uh i'll see you on the long weekend see you then rest up everyone